If you are age 12 and under, you can head back to Camp Pointway. PJ, why did you have a life vest on? We're not in the boat today. What's the good news? Jesus saved. Amen. Good job. Linda asked me this morning if there was anything special going on today. Or, and I said, no, it's a pretty normal Sunday. Everything's pretty, you know, just normal. There's nothing, no special announcements or anything. And then, you know, there's never such thing as a normal day at Point Way, is there? I think we're going to rename this Scarlet's Place over here now. So she's been up here now and, you know, get up on the stage. But no. It's, uh, it's good that we have the freedom in Christ and we can do those things and uh, connect in different ways, right? We all have different points of connection, body together that we want to connect with, and so it's, it's great to see. And it's great to have the, the body together this morning, and I know there's a lot going on, right? Not only at garage sales, and yes, we had one of those, Joe, and yep, it's done. That was, it was good. Good to get that done. <laughs> And, uh, but there's graduations going on and uh, family get-togethers, and there's just a lot uh, as we're getting into that busy season of summer. So, that being said, we're kind of in between series. There is no Ruth chapter 5, in case you were wondering. So, um, there's only four chapters. We finished that series last week, and so we're not going to be working in the book of Ruth, and um, I'm going to be away next weekend. I'm going back to the great state of Maine uh, to get some lobster, some chowder, and uh, see some family. So Joe's going to be bringing the word next week, and so um, make sure you're here to hear that. I'm sure Joe's going to have a good message as he's started preparing for that already. But because we're in between, and when I get back, I'm hoping to start Second Peter. Unless God changes my mind or, or redirects me, we're going to go on to Second Peter. We had done First Peter earlier in the year, and uh, many of you had gotten a lot out of it. I know I got a lot out of it as we were studying, and the obvious question is, well, you did First Peter, are you going to do Second Peter? And I said, well, not yet. And God's put that off, but I'm thinking that now's the time. Uh, like I said, unless he redirects, we're going to start Second Peter in a couple of weeks in June. So we'll be going there next if you want to read ahead. Uh, there's a lot in Second Peter chapter 1. Um, you can camp out there in those first couple of verses for a while uh, once you get past Peter's greeting. So encourage you to do that. So that being said, we have this kind of a Sunday for pastors that are in between. And so in an in-between Sunday uh, series, it's a good time to reflect back a little bit. And so I went back to an older passage and one that um, has been preached many times. It'll be hopefully familiar to you, but Luke chapter 15, that's where we're headed this morning. The verses are already up there, but you may know the story as the prodigal son, right? Very familiar passage, and you know that prodigal son um, speaks to many of us um, and can speak to us depending on where we're at in life. Um, you know, PJ mentioned this morning about investing in the next generation. I've been blessed to be able to mentor young men at Teen Challenge. And uh, this past week as I was preparing for this, I, <clears throat> I said, you know, I ought to check in on some of those guys. And some of them I know where they're at. And, and as I was checking back through some of my, my mentees, I've got one in jail, unfortunately, right now. He's finishing up a term, but he's safe. I've got another one that's homeless right now. I've got a couple others that are struggling in relationships. And I've got a couple that are doing really well. And that's pretty much the gamut in that. And, and that's typical of prodigal sons, 
right? And I, I do. I consider them prodigal sons because you invest in them, you spend time with them, and again, you encourage them, but they quite often leave. They leave not only a program, but they'll leave um, that direct relationship. And sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. And again, not so much the relationship with me, but the relationship with the Lord, which is first and foremost, and anchoring them into that. And so this passage is more about the Lord and that relationship with Him. But I've titled today's message because there are three main characters in this, and we can be any one of those. And so the title is, Who Are You More Like? Who are you more like in this passage? And so let's dig into the verses, and as we unpack it a little bit, we'll uh, get a clearer picture of what's going on. Now, I chose Luke's passage in that because Luke gives a lot more details. Uh, as many of you know, Luke was a doctor, and and he was a Gentile, and so when he wrote, he gave us a lot of details. And that's helpful when you're telling a story, right? Sometimes details are important. Linda and I were having another conversation this morning about details and how sometimes I'm not very good at details, and she's a very detailed person, and much like PJ's the same way, I just kind of do the big picture, but in that I misstep quite often. And so sometimes we need those details. They're, they're helpful in understanding, and so... This is one of those passages that has a lot of details which we need, and Luke gives that to us. And so, and also from a, a non-Jewish perspective, which helps as well, although Jesus speaks this as a Jew, and so it relates more with them. But we'll see what we can do about working through it. Again, Jesus is teaching, and here there are three parables together, actually. Right? There's the, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the lost son. They all run together. And for you that want to read ahead, go back and look at the other two parables because they're similar, but they're not the same. Right? Something's lost in all three of them. There's a thread, but they have a different emphasis, each and every one of them. And so I would encourage you for a deeper study this week is to go back and look through those other parables. But we're going to focus on this one this morning on the lost son. And so Jesus continues in his teaching and says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Okay, I'll stop right there again because the background is important. It helps us understand the fact that this parable is about a father who has two sons and one of them says, Hey, I want my money now. Right? That's what he's saying. He said, I want my money now. And again, custom and tradition is you don't get your inheritance until after somebody dies. Right? So this would be a huge insult to go to your father and say, hey, I want, I want my money up front. I don't want to wait until you pass. I don't want to wait that long. I want it now. I want it immediately. Right? This wasn't customary. This wasn't normally done. And especially for the younger son, right? The older son had more bearing, had more uh, to, to gain, but the younger son here is kind of jumping the gun a little bit. What's even more interesting is the father actually does it, right? Traditionally and normally, the father would just say, no, it's not time yet. Or you could even withhold it all together and say, you know what? You don't deserve it. And if you think of it from even a logical standpoint, what young person does well with a lot of finances? 
We can look into the world and see that on a regular basis, right? We see athletes and, and actors who get lots of money for doing what they do, right? And most of them, if not all of them, struggle with their finances, right? They don't do it well. They blow it on foolish things. It's, it's, it's pretty normal. We see it often. So it's not a wise decision here, really, based on what the father knows, Yet he does that. He divides up his property between them. Verse 13, the story continues. It says, Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. He left the protection, he left the advice of his father, and he goes out on his own. He goes to make a name for himself. And it's not long that he starts blowing it on, in the translation here it says wild living. Some others say foolishly or squandered his wealth, right? Spending it on things that he shouldn't have spent it on is the idea here. And then there's a progression, right? He gets, you know, it starts off, it's okay. He's got plenty of wealth, and so he spends a little bit, and he spends a little bit more. And then verse 14 says, after he has spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. A little pressure comes on now, right? Now he had a lot of money, things were going well, then all of a sudden things get tight. Then there's a famine, and now it's, things are getting really tight, and guess what? He's no longer had that luxury or that benefit of having any wealth. And don't forget, he's also left his comfort of his father, who would be wiser, who would be watching over him. He's all out on his own. He's by himself. And again, that happens quite often, right? When we leave the protection of our families and we go out, we, we sometimes feel all alone. We can get ourselves into trouble real quick. And we don't always make the best decisions. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. Again, this helps with the, the Jewish believer here in mind, right? Pigs were, at that time, were unclean. They were not something that you would associate with. This was the, the lowest of low jobs for a Jew, it would be very humbling to him. It would be very difficult for him to, to come to that point and say, this is the best job that I can get. We also see that he's a, a citizen outside, right? He's, he's not even in his group of his countrymen. He's probably left here even the security of the land that he was born in. Nobody knows him, right? And this is the best job that he can get. It's feeding the pigs, the dirtiest of dirty, right? So he's low on many levels here. He's low on food. He's low on comfort. He's low on community, as we talked about community early in one of the videos. And now he's being humbled, even low in spiritual matters, right? He's having to hang out with the pigs, which everything in him has been brought up that those are disgusting. Those are not the the place to be. Verse 16, we see how desperate he's gotten, right? 
He's been spiraling here. He's been going down. And finally, at verse 16, he says, He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Right? He's at the, he's at the bottom. The, the pig's food starts to look good to him. Now, I'm not an expert on pigs. I've been around them a little bit, but I know that pigs will eat just about anything. They're not that picky. And you can give them basically garbage and they'll eat it. You have to be careful sometimes what you give them because they'll actually get sick. They're not bright enough to, 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 to pick through. They'll just eat it all. right? That much I do know. But when that food starts looking good, and again, there's a famine, so they're not getting the best of the best anyways. It's already been picked through. The point is, he's got to the, about the lowest spot that you can get, right? And I mentioned working with people at Teen Challenge, but also in the past I've worked with folks in addiction, and quite often you have to get to that bottom, right? You have to get to the, the lowest spot before you can start to look up, before you have to really make a drastic change, right? The bottom of the bottoms. And so this young man has found himself there. I love what verse 17 says. It says, when he came to his senses, right? The, the, the light bulb went on or out of desperation, right? He says, ah, I can't take it anymore, right? I'm, I'm at the bottom. I, I can't live this way. He hearkens back, right? He goes, he says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He remembers his father, right? It, it, it clicks like, hey, you know, I, I know what I had as a son, but at least even my, my father's servants, are, and, you know, they, they cleaned up the language a little bit, but really it's even his father's slaves, right? Those that were indebted to him, those that were working, right? They would be on the low end. They even had food. They had not just a little food, but they had even more than enough to share. In other words, they are much better than I am right now at this point. Again, when you're on the bottom, going up even one rung is a big deal, right? Taking one step back towards where you used to be. Verse 18 says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. What do you hear in those verses? What do you, what do you see? What's, if you had to boil it down to one word, what would you, you say that he's at, right? He's at the bottom, but what, what do you hear there in his voice? Remorse, Remorse but also repentance. repentance, humility, right? There's no pride left, right? He's not saying, hey, you know what? I, I, I have a right to go back. My, my namesake's back there, my heritage, right? No, he sees remorse. He sees his sin for what it is. He sees that he never should have left. I would have been better off just staying where I was in that position. I thought I knew better, but I didn't. That humility. And as a point of reference, we all have to come to that point, right? When we, we come to that point and we agree with God that we've sinned, that's a point of humility. That's a point of recognizing, you know what? I'm not right. 
that point of repentance, as, as David mentioned. Right? And so he sees his only way back is to go back humbly and just, and just throw himself at the mercy of his father. Verse 20 goes on. It says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The, the picture in the story is the, the father's just been waiting, right? He's been just longing for his son. The picture is he's, he's been scanning that horizon, just waiting for that son to return couple things here again with the the Jewish custom older men did not run right that was just part of the custom right as I'm getting older I understand why a it's not pretty when I run and uh, it hurts afterwards but again it was more about dignity right it just it was not dignified let the young guys run but older men walked slower right it's more dignified it was a sign of respect to walk slowly. But the fact that he runs out, right, he doesn't care what people think is the idea here, right? He, he, he's not worried about what people see or his perception or his standing. He just wants to get to his son. <clears throat> I'll be tough to get through this all the way because it <clears throat> brings back a lot of memories and uh, the goodness of the father, right? Um, but he loves on him lavishly, right? He, he loves him. He, he throws his arms around him. He kisses him. He just welcomes him back. He doesn't even wait or understand. He doesn't rebuke him. He just runs after his son. Again, we see the compassion here, and we see the, the love that the father has. The son obviously is in shock. He doesn't know what to do. He said in verse 21, he says, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Right? And the son's right. I mean, it's certainly true. It's the son's done wrong, and, and he recognizes that. But look at the father's response. Verse 22. Not only has he responded in action, but now in his words as well, he says, the father said to his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. And so they began to celebrate. Right? This certainly wasn't the welcome the son was expecting. Right? The son was expecting to come back and just be a servant, just be part of the, the hired hands, right? To, to work in the back, to do the jobs that nobody wanted to do. And yet, the son is being received back as the son. Even more so, almost like a guest of high honor and praise, right? If you think about where the son was at, right? It wasn't very long ago. He's down with the pigs, feeding the pigs and starving and, and not doing well. And now, all of a sudden, he's being robed and put a ring on. He's being restored beyond the, the place that he even had hoped for. Right? He's being brought back into the family and, and recognized by the Father as equal now, again. Right? And it's being celebrated. 
the fattened calf was killed, right? That's a, a celebration. Everyone would stop working that day. Everyone would come in. It was a, a big deal. Community would be brought in. And if you happened to be a stranger in the, around in the area, you would be brought in. Even the servants quite often would take part in the feast, right? Basically, it's be, being declared a holiday for this son. So up to now, we've had basically the father and the son in this interaction, but there's a third person here, and we're going to go back after we go through this, but there's a, another person that's kind of been there all along, right? The, the other brother. He hasn't been mentioned until now, but now he's going to enter the story in a more prominent way. And he's a little bit older, and he's just been laying back and watching this all take place, right? Verse 25, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the, the music and the dancing. And so he called to one of the servants and asked, what is going on? The servant answers, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Right? Somewhere in all the excitement and all this, right? right? The older son, probably out in a distant field, has been working away. He didn't even know what took place, right? He hadn't even heard yet this, right? How come someone didn't? I'm sure his first thought was, well, how come I didn't know about this, right? How come someone didn't come out and get me? You can certainly see how his emotions would, would play on that. And again, he's probably written his brother off at this point. He left. Probably his brother said, good riddance, right? Not worried about him. He hasn't been looking for him to return. Again, the older brother's in contrast to the father. Verse 28, we see more of that. We see the emotions that are behind it. Verse 28, it says, The older brother came and became very angry, and he refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him. Just a little side note here. I, I've read through this many times, and that kind of jumped out at me again. And I, I knew that the father and, and the older brother had a conversation, but it says he actually left the feast and went out for the older brother. Shows that he cared about both of them equally, right? Just as though he was, he was longing for the younger brother and looking, right? He was wondering where the older brother was, right? How come he's not inside? How come he's not feasting? How come he's not part of it, right? And so he leaves the party to go out and find the older, the older son, right? It's interesting. Again, custom, that's not how it's normally done, right? If, if you're hosting this big feast, you don't leave. You know, the, 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 the person who's putting on the thing, you're, you're making sure all the details are taking place. You're, you're there. You don't just get up and, and leave in the middle of it and leave it up to somebody else, right? No, but he does, right? Because he cares just as much for this older brother as he does for the younger one, or son, I should say, his son's. And he actually pleads with him to come in. Verse 29 says, But the son answered him, answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. What do you see here in this, this older son? What do you see happening, right? Jealousy. Jealousy. Yeah, certainly. Jealousy, right? He's saying, hey, how come he's getting the fattened calf? I, not at once. And even I, the, the word never, right? Never, Dad. You, you never gave me what I deserved. Not even part of it. 
So we see that jealousy is taking place. Right? And he's thinking of himself, right? He's not thinking of his other brother, right? He, at this point, it seems like he could care less. Verse 30 kind of gives us a little bit more of that. He reminds his dad of this, right? But when his son, this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitute, comes home, you kill the fattened calf and you call for him. You kill the fattened calf for him, right? Again, that jealousy just is built up. It's rage at this point. The sons remind him, the dad, right? Dad knows this, right? Dad knows what's taking place. But the father has shown grace. He's shown mercy. And so we have this contrast. And again, we look to the response of the father here. The father says in verse 31, says, my son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Again, the, the father's response. So if I ask a quick question this morning, right? Who do you want to be? You want to be the father? You want to be the younger son? Or you want to be the older son? What would you say? Somebody wants to be the younger son? Yeah. Anyone want to be the older son? Scarlett wants to be the older son, right? Could be, could be, certainly. At what part of the story? At what part of the story, correct. Yeah, that's, timing is important as well. It's not a trick question. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put you all on the spot, but again, it's good to think, because again, that's what we want to do is we're going to reflect on this passage, and then we want to insert ourselves. But surprisingly, none of you said, I want to be like the Father. Right? Wouldn't that be the goal, to be like the Father in this? Again, it wasn't a trick question, but again, it's, it's good to reflect and go back to these passages and as we read the story. Now, we benefit, whether we're the prodigal son or the one that stays faithful and remains. And again, if you interpret this parable and pull it out, quite often most scholars believe that you know, the, the younger son uh, could be the Gentiles or the, the, the unreached. Um, and others believe the Pharisees are the older son, right? They're the, the ones that have followed the law and brought up to that point. That's one interpretation of this parable. That's a, the thing about parables is they are a true story that bring out spiritual emphasis. And so um, you can interpret it maybe a, a different way. But the fact that they were both family members, I like to interpret it as they were already both believers. It's not about salvation as much as it is about staying faithful, right? And so as Bryce said, you know, being faithful certainly is not a bad thing. So being the older brother is not necessarily a bad thing unless you don't have the right heart about it, unless you don't have the right motivation, right? If you lose sight of what's truly important, that relationship with the father, right? See, the, I think the, the bigger problem with the older brother here is he compared himself to the younger brother and got jealous, as we talked about, Right? We can be fall into that same trap, right? We start comparing ourselves to someone else, right? If I compare to someone that has a bigger boat, 
right? Or a bigger engine, or uh, someone who can catch fish, someone that can't catch fish. Sorry, Joe. No, just, just teasing Joe. I have those days, Joe, as well. I understand. Right? But comparing gets us into trouble. Now, the younger brother, again, his was, he wanted it now, right? He wanted it instant. He wanted everything that he thought he deserved, right? And at times, we are in that same boat as well, right? We, we don't want to wait, right? We get impatient. We want, we want all of God's blessings right now. Or we just want to indulge ourselves, Again, we may not go to the lengths that the, the parable hill takes the, the younger son, but we can fall into that same trap, right? And we can walk away from God. I've seen that happen many times with many believers, right? They, they, tend to, they, they can walk away, fall away, they stop being connected. Right? They lose the community, they start losing their relationship, they start spending more time with non-believers and believers, and they fall away, right? They get further and further away. And they may not end up in that destitute place where they don't have any food, but spiritually they become hungry or starving again. And the God is just waiting for them to come back as well. This passage also deals with a, another element and one of those other qualities that we all want to have, right, is forgiveness, right? Who doesn't want forgiveness from God? Yeah, that's, that, that's a rhetorical question, right? We, we all want that forgiveness, or we should want that. But in order to do that, we have to be humble. We have to come and, like I said earlier, we have to agree with what God calls sin and put ourselves under that. And I want to leave you with this, and hopefully out of these three, we do want to become more like Christ, right? More like God. Whether we're dealing with someone like the older brother or we're dealing with someone like the younger brother, right? That we can show grace and mercy to whoever comes back or is in our fellowship, right? Who's part of the body, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so as we reflect back to that, and maybe you're going through that. Maybe there was someone that came to mind even this morning. Maybe you have a prodigal son in your life. Maybe you have someone that you've invested a lot of time in, they've sinned against you, they've walked away, and you've lost touch with them. And I would encourage you, if at all possible, reach out to them. And if that's not possible, at least be praying for them. Praying that your heart would be soft when they do return. Right? It's, it's hard sometimes when they do return back in your life because you want to you wanna beat them up a little bit, right? You want to you know, give them the what for or call them to the carpet. But that's not what God's calling you to do. Right? Or maybe... You thought of someone like the older brother, right? That's gotten a little crusty. They've, they've been around a long time and they, they seem to have lost that sensitivity, that hard heart. The father loved them just as much, right? 
And so if maybe that person in your life you need to be praying for as well, showing grace and mercy. Because really the, the person, the story that we want to be most like is the Father. Be open and willing. And so that's my prayer and my encouragement this morning, church, that we would be Father in this story. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the reminder of your goodness and your mercy, Lord. Lord, we're also reminded that no matter where we're at in that walk with you, Lord, that you are there. You're longing for that relationship with us. Lord, may we grow deeper in that relationship. Lord, may we also only compare ourselves to you and no one else. Lord, may you continue to help us to grow in these areas, Lord, and help us to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for this time this morning. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the folks here this morning at Point Way. And Lord, just continue to do your work in and through us as you see fit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.